Hang on, Mr. Douglas. Yeah. Ooh, we're back, everybody. It's chapter 16 and 17 time here with Ingo Swan's Secrets of Power, Volume 1. Wonderful to have you here. The Earth is only getting richer as we dig deeper into this book. Chapter 16's title, On Having a Sense of Power. Let's see how much power we can sense when we sense our power. Senses, sensing a growth in power within ourselves and each other. I'm getting a sense that that feels pretty good. Okay, welcome back everybody. Chapter 16. Ingo kicks us off. It is fair to say that the topics discussed in this chapter might at first be a little difficult to take on board. After they've been studied, they can be seen as easy to deal with, but there are two principal reasons for this. Power is usually associated with actions rather than with the process of thinking or sensing, especially in the case regarding force power situations in which one needs clubs or guns or knuckle busters. Knuckle dusters? Knuckle busters? I always like knuckle busters. And it's also the case with artificial power, where one needs status, but not necessarily a brain slash mind to implement the case with force power as well. Uh, the second reason is that education in general teaches what to think, not how to examine and constructively manage and expand one's own thinking parameters. You know, the two basic reasons why Ingo thinks this discussion might get a little rocky, might get a little bumpy, but that's okay. We're just going to keep on keeping on and grow in our own sense of understanding. And through understanding, there is power. The term sense with regard to power and empowerment. With regard to having a sense of power, Ingo says, the term sense is used with the following meanings. 1. To become conscious of. 2. To grasp or comprehend or to grok. 3. To detect automatically. Having, or not having, a sense of power is important when it comes to understanding many things, such as the world of human affairs. It's also important regarding desires for empowerment and increases of power. Having a sense of power is always an individual thing, having a sense of power. So it's hard to articulate what may be involved in general. The central difficulty being, if individuals do have a sense of power, it's probably formulated within the context of their personal frames of reference. Those frames of reference not only formulate an individual's sense of power, but are also projected onto others in order to influence them. I mean, hey, after all, definition of power is power over others, literally implies power over the power of others. So Ingo says that the dictionary definition of power as control, authority, and influence over others needs to be amended. He says power should be defined as control, authority, and influence over the powers of others 
including their sense of power. So if one is able to obtain power over the powers of others, you're basically obtaining, at least in part, power over their frames of reference. And this is where we start getting into the good stuff, okay? Here comes the protein in the meal. And this ends up being a, a, I don't know, three, four course on the cruise ship. Real nice entertainment going, music in the background, string quartet. This ends up being good, a full and hearty experience of a meal. Ingo goes on. If societal and lesser formats of power structures are examined in enough detail, it becomes possible to discern that managers of those structures work overtime to provide and manipulate the frames of reference that others are required to adapt to. Thereafter, individuals don't really know if their frames of reference are actually their own in a self-creative sense. Our frames of reference are hastily crafted and re-supported so that the way we look at the world falls in line with the way those that are doing well off of the way that we look at the world continue to have us look at the world the way they'd like us to. And again, yet another gem, Ingo says, what they might think of as their personal frames of reference regarding power, the individual, might have been imbibed and adapted from some external source, which will not tolerate too much self-creative and self-sustaining expressions of individual power. This discussion is relevant to individual empowerment in a twofold way. One, individual empowerment most certainly involves discovering what to empower within oneself, and two, if one attempts to empower oneself only in the light of frames of reference one has been conditioned to adapt to, then the attempt will probably not bear much fruit, or the fruit won't be that tasty. The reason is that such attempts automatically give back control of one's sense of power to the originators and managers of those frames of reference. And for us to continue to dig deep into this rich earth, this good earth, we got to talk about what frames of reference actually are. Frames of reference. The most commonly shared understanding of frames of reference, Ingo tells us, has to do with the standards by which a person compares something in order to form an attitude or make a judgment or analysis. This idea seems okay, right? That seems to make sense. Well, how do I feel about that so I can make a judgment on this over here? What are my opinions on milk? And so I can decide how I like milk or don't like milk and coffee. Sure, Ingo says seems perfectly fine, but when applied to power and to empowerment, that breakdown of frames of reference doesn't quite do the job. One part of the difficulty has to do with the use of the word frame and framework. Frame is usually thought of something that encloses something, right? Picture frame. Or some kind of enclosing border, right? Sure. But as a verb, the term also means to formulate, to shape, or to construct. I like that, you know, build a framework. As a noun, the principal definition refers to something composed of parts fitted together and united. Framework refers to a skeletal, openwork, or structural unit made for admitting, enclosing, or supporting something. A framework for your point of view. Frame of reference is also defined as a set or system, as of factors or ideas, serving to orient or give particular meaning. It all depends on your certain point of view, your frame of reference. 
In the context of that definition, then, Ingo says, frames of reference are sets or systems of frameworks, serving to orient or give particular meaning. But there is another definition for frame of reference. An arbitrary set of axes, with reference to which the position or motion of something is described. An axis is defined as 1. A straight line about which a body or a geometric figure rotates or may be supposed to rotate. And 2. A main line of direction, motion, growth or extension. Now this all might seem unduly complicated. Little bit, little bit. But digging through them is necessary in order to point up that there are two kinds of frames of reference, the framework kind and the axis kind, and both have monumental importance with regard to power and empowerment. This is where we get into the minerals, right? This is where we get into the good, deep, dark, all veins of delicious mental thinking and just how free we can be in our thinking of building our own frames of reference. So, Ingo goes on, the framework kind as in, we got two frames of reference, the framework and the axis kind, the framework kind refers to a set or system of facts or ideas serving to orient or give particular meaning. The axis kind refers to a main line of direction, a motion, growth, or extension. And by comparing the two, the framework kind is implicitly more static than fluid, while the axis kind is explicitly more fluid and thus vital and vitalizing. One, the framework is building a kind of lattice, you know, that around something, a structure, a foundation, whereas the axis kind is like pointing yourself in the direction you want to go and going in it. What direction do you want to go? Well, I want to go in the direction of freedom. I want to go in the direction of empowerment. Well, that's the direction I want to go in. That's the axis I'm putting myself on. Off we go. Frameworks of references refer to sets or systems of facts or ideas, serving to orient or give particular meaning within the context of the set or system. Such frameworks would therefore tend to be involutional or infolding or entangling back into the static sets or systems of reference. I have the picture of a box and an arrow bouncing around in the box, not able to get out of the box, because it is within the Framework, built, and it won't be able to get out of this involutional, right? Axes of references refer not to already prescribed and pre-designed sets or systems or frameworks, <laughs> but to evolutionary main lines of direction, motion, growth, or extension. I think about, you know how they have those sped up videos of a flower growing and how it kind of spins around as it's growing and a burn and a boom and a leaves and a boom and a that if you get from my booze and bees, that it is moving along what looks to be some kind of invisible axis, which is pretty cool. I also think that axis ends up being a, a mathematical equivalent to the Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> the math gets pretty interesting. Uh, where was I? Yes, such axes of reference would therefore tend toward unfolding or untangling from proscribed and pre-designed sets or systems. Of course, the two kinds of references are not mutually exclusive and can and should be interactive. Pertinent to empowerment, the central problem would be one of emphasis with regard to having or developing a sense of unfolding power at the individual level. When you consider these things deeply enough, it's possible to grok 
that established societal power structures would design, promulgate, sets of systems of references for power that refer back only to those power structures that they like the most, namely the ones that are serving them. Right? Right. And it sure does seem like we're seeing a lot of that revelation of that fact appearing in our news day after day. Oh, so the system isn't set up the way you said it is. It's set up so that it hooks you up and that it, it uh, supports whatever decision y'all decide to make. Got it. Ingo makes a, a, a quick point here, just stating that uh, uh, earlier we had talked about how when looking into power, books on power only reference the powerful, which implicitly automatically sets back up that loop of saying, well, look, they're powerful. Let's look at them. Look at that power. That's their power. Well, that power is the only power that there is. So let's look at that power only making it seem like their power is the only power that ever really is. Thanks, books. <laughs> Truly, thank you, Ingo. Now, this, Ingo says, is cleverly manipulated nonsense. The powerful manifesting certain uses of power is what they're doing. The elements of power itself are innate in our entire species and are therefore technically available to everybody. The central problem here is that there are no frames or axes of reference for power that are available to everybody. How difficult is it to be like, okay, I'm going to put myself on this path, this course, and I shall grow in power. No! <laughs> it's really difficult these days. And with the world on such shaky foundations as we are seeing, it's become even more precarious to pick a lane and, and commit to it. Because there are no prescribed, uh, designed, laid out paths of power. And we've explored why. Ain't no power schools on purpose. We've got to make that DK encyclopedia of power. On having a sense of powerlessness. Gaining a sense of power must be contrasted with its opposite. Having or adapting to a sense of powerlessness. If one feels powerless, the fault is not with the individual as a life force, life energy being, but with the frames of reference that the being is using or has become stuck with. Frames of reference can be very limiting, especially if based on some kind of illusion in the first place. Now, most people will cling to their frames of reference, even without having a complete understanding of what their frames of reference actually consist of. However, bottom line, when it all comes down to it, no one who's alive can be powerless. They can be depowered, with the result that they feel powerless. But feeling powerless and the actuality of the situation are two very different things. Reactivating a sense of life energies. One of the problematical factors here, Ingo says, is that we can understand things outside of us quite well, and do so, whether we're depowered or empowered. But we understand our life energy consciousness qualities very little. As it can be shown, the frames of reference regarding ourselves as energy life consciousness entities are usually set up within our own local environments and circumstances. And so, a discussion of these is a central topic of the next chapter. Items to imagine. Imagine at least 
10 frames of reference that induce a sense of powerlessness. List these on a paper and consider how they fit together to implode a sense of power. The, the victim mentality in all its many shapes and sizes. That's a big one. That's a big one. That you need lots of money to do anything. But yeah, wow, frames of reference. Change the way you look at things. It's kind of what they do. All right, quick break. And then we're on to chapter 17. Chapter 17 Personal Power versus Local Circumstances and Frames of Reference This is a big one. This is another big one. Strap in. The phrase frames of reference is important enough to be included in many dictionaries, yet surprising how many people have no knowledge of it. Or if they know the phrase, they rarely ever really consider it let alone look at their own frames of reference or the frames of reference of others. Many never attempt to examine their frames of reference. And, Ingo says, to be sure, this failure clearly has many negative and rather dismal outcomes when it comes to ideas of power and empowerment. Failure of frames of reference regarding power and empowerment. Now, here we go. There are several societal reasons behind this failure. The concepts of information, knowledge, facts, realities usually take precedence over frames of reference, and so most will think in terms of those concepts. The concepts of facts, realities, knowledge, information. However, it can be shown that information, knowledge, facts, realities, they're all built out of accumulated frames of reference that are stuck together to form a basic framework of some kind, and which thereafter has much to do with how things are perceived and understood. It can also be shown that after the initial framework has been constructed and formatted, it equates to a mindset through which any additional information, knowledge, facts, realities, they're all processed in a kind of closed-loop way, locked in to that framework you've built. It's thus that frames of reference, at the personal level, emerge as enormously important regarding perceptions of power, personal empowerment, and any desire having to do with becoming power active in any sphere of activity. Makes sense when you consider the total absence of power schools, which we mentioned earlier. This absence means that frames of reference that are more exact and appropriate regarding empowerment have been deleted from broad common awareness of them. Continuing on, constructing and deconstructing frames of reference. It is quite likely that a good deal of what we can become aware of or conscious of depends on having appropriate frames of reference. If one does not have frames of reference regarding certain things, and on average, one won't achieve much exact or even any awareness or consciousness of them. If one very carefully considers the existence of frames of reference, it becomes possible to think that our species has the generic faculties for constructing frames of reference in much the same way we have the generic faculties for making and speaking thousands of different languages. 
But if our species possesses the innate faculties to construct frames of reference, the same faculties when applied in reverse can be utilized to deconstruct them. And this deconstruction of the frame of reference is not only one of the tools of power, but it's a tool that has quite a number of uses. Openly or covertly deconstructing the frames of reference of others is, uh, you know, a way of achieving control, authority, and influence over them, at least in a general perspective. Of course, the very best way is to deprive others of frames of reference in the first place. This is the equivalent of deliberately engineering different kinds of stupidity in others. It's easier to establish and maintain power over the victims of this engineering. Helpful to keep them stupid about the processes of empowerment. But that is why I am talking about this right now. I think it's so important. It's important to have this awareness of power and empowerment and depowerment. This is important because it's in each and every single one of us. And if we don't even have a frame of reference to reference this, we're not going to be aware of it. So we got to be aware of it in order to reference it. And the more we can reference it, the more we can grow in our awareness of it. You know how this goes. We're on the road to being more and more awesome every day. The relationship of frames of reference to basic premises. The term premise is taken from the Latin term prematire. P-R-A-E-M-I-T-T-E-R-E. Prematire. Prematire. Which means to place something ahead of something else. I imagine all of Latin was yelled in very aggressive, hardcore-like, gladiator style. Primatire! <laughs> okay, I'm getting in line. Okay, jeez. The English definition of premise is given as a proposition antecedently supposed or proved as a basis of inference or argument. The several meanings of antecedent are 1. to precede, 2. to be or place in front of, Primatire! 3. to have occurred earlier, 4. the significant events, conditions, and traits of one's earlier life, 5. a model or stimulus for later developments. While it's true that a basic premise can be based on facts, it's also the case that it can be based on smoke or columns of air. And a beautiful, wonderful, hilarious way of exploring the idea of premises is going and watching a, a good improv show. Because you can take a premise that is built on columns of air and get a very funny show out of it. Anytime anybody ever references anything that has to do with the color blue and individual giggles. Like, and that, that there's your premise. This person finds the color blue hilarious. And scene. Like, go ahead. What's going to happen? Even so, Ingo continues, frames of reference can be built up around a premise thought to be basic, and which framework thereafter is assumed as giving authenticity and actual reality to the premise itself. These frames of reference might be confusing. Their general authenticity is seldom inspected. Assumed authenticity of the basic premise is hardly ever questioned. Hmm, that's a kind of, that's just the way it is kind of a situation. Ingo gives two examples. In male-dominant societies, the basic social conditioning premise was power was seen as exclusively a male thing. But then again, you look at ancient female-dominant societies, Minoans, I believe, they were one of them, uh, where power was exclusively a female thing, in which, as of this date, the exact functions of males have never been intimately identified. What were dudes doing all day long? Leaping over bowls, it looks like? Chilling. In actuality, power falls into the hands and minds of those who have achieved excellent knowledge of the workings of stealth power. 
Anybody, everybody who's got the mind for it will have the opportunity to access it and grow in it. And we all have that opportunity. This is sort of a hidden equal opportunity kind of thing, Ingo says, which applies to males and females and could even be relevant to extraterrestrial societies elsewhere in the cosmos. Well, that's a fun thing to think of. Are the rules of power truly universal? Frames of reference regarding personal power. The fourth definition of antecedent refers to significant events, conditions, and traits of one's earlier life. For the purposes of this book, this refers to antecedent premises and frames of reference having to do with depowerment, empowerment, and power. Earlier life refers not only to childhood, but to anything before. Now, the sum of which has somehow been formatted into basic premises and frames of reference. What comprises earlier life of each individual presents a massive and ultra-complicated scenario of different events and traits whose significance is clearly related to the local circumstances in which each individual has lived or is living. We're beautiful, complex, mosaic, kaleidoscopic images. Each of us is our own night sky. It is thus up to the individual to assess the frames of reference acquired within or because of those local circumstances. It's up to us! It is worth taking time to examine what is meant by local circumstances here. And here we go. Lots to chew on here. I guess this is the vegetable dish. Local circumstances with regard to power and empowerment. It is now understood quite well in various psychologies that infants and children observe very carefully the power dynamics prevalent in their local circumstances and societies. Such observations are probably permanently jammed in there, imprinted, stamped, and tending to automatically format frames of reference regarding power. Now, it's true that some individuals appear to have a broad sense of power that transcends local circumstances, but those people are aliens. No, but most people, Ingo says, he didn't say the alien part, that was me. Ingo says most people conceptualize power principally within the terms of their local circumstances into which they've been born, which persist around them, within which they live out their lives. These various elements which go into the formatting of local circumstances are absorbed early in one's life, and as one grows up they more or less sink beneath the levels of active consciousness. But in order to get beyond or beneath the superficial, in order to get to that good earth, it's necessary to examine the meanings of the three terms having relevance to power and empowerment. Remember when I told you he was going to do a lot of defining and, like, word examinations? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the term local has four slightly different definitions, but each of which has a relationship to empowerment. One, characterized by relating to or occupying a particular place. Two, primarily serving the needs of a particular limited district. Three, characterized by or relating to a position in space. And four, not broad or general. Got it. For the purposes of this discussion, definitions 2 and 4 can be combined, that is, primarily serving the needs of a particular limited district, and not broad or general. What is not limited, and is broad and general, though, is thought of as being universal. This term also has four useful definitions. And here we go on universal. 
1. Including or covering all of a whole, collectively or distributively, without limit or exception. 2. Present or occurring everywhere. 3. Comprehensively broad and versatile. And 4. Denoting every member of a class or a species. Universal, general, and generic are given as synonyms. General implies reference to all or nearly all. Generic implies reference to every member of class or species. And universal implies reference to everyone without exception in the class, category, or genus considered. Even Billy over there in the corner picking his nose. The third term to be considered is universality, which has three meaningful definitions. One, the quality or state of being universal. Two, universal comprehensiveness in range. And three, unrestricted versatility or power of adaption or power of comprehension. Note that the term power in the third definition is found in most dictionaries. And Ingo gives himself a little collar pop, therefore not merely a convenient additive interjected by this author. <laughs> the reason for reviewing these definitions, yes, we'd all like to know, is to point up two factors that people usually don't think about, but which are significant to power and empowerment. One, that members of our species universally possess the generic power of adapting to local circumstances. Ah, that in and of itself is a power, the power of adaptation. Two, also, have the generic power of contracting and confining their powers of comprehension to the needs of those local circumstances. I can focus in and worry about the saber-toothed tiger that lives on the other side of the ridge over there, how I can kill that saber-toothed tiger so I can defend my clan, get some good saber-toothed tiger meat, get a sweet pelt where I can make a really cool hat and cape, uh, and, you know, ba basically expand usable territory, explorable territory, getting rid of that uh, saber-toothed tiger, right? I can focus in, we can focus in, and focusing in is another power. The foregoing is needed in order to point up something about local circumstances that has direct importance not only to one's notions about power, but with regard to hope for vivid empowerment. The term local circumstances seems automatically to be interpreted as referring exclusively to a position in physical place, but there is one local circumstance that remains permanently local. It's your head! Wherever one goes, one takes one's head with them. And with them, their frames of reference, one has regarding power, empowerment, and even depowerment. Because of this, it's possible to think that one's head is the most permanent of all local circumstances. So you've got to consider looking into understanding and optimizing, perhaps reframing, your frames of reference. And I will be the first to admit, that's not easy. Like following along in chapter 17 here with all of those definitions and breakdowns, it's hard. <laughs> so I get it. But this is how I think we step up to Renaissance 2.0 for all of humanity. It's by doing stuff like this. And when we take a good look, when we really take a good look, we're going to say, hey, there's a lot that I don't like. That's okay. That's okay. In fact, that's good because that's honest. And if we can start from a place of honesty, then we can only get better, ultimately. Universal Formats of Power and Empowerment
Hypothetically speaking, one could achieve local power over those dwelling in the same locality or within the same localisms. However, acquiring more universal frames of reference regarding power could result in achieving more universal kinds of empowerment. A significant empowerment objective or method is not only to focus on and examine local frames of reference with the hopes of improving upon them, which is good, which is what we were talking about earlier, but also, and here we go, but also add other frames of reference that are more universal in nature. It may take some time to grok this, but then there is nothing about power that is easy, as we had said. So working on optimizing our own frames of reference, our own local frames of reference, but also working to add other frames of reference that are more universal. Every human being needs breath. We all need to breathe. That's a universal frame of reference. We all need to breathe. And when any of us feels like we can't breathe, we're going to react in a particular way. I like that. We all need to breathe. Items to meditate upon. Conceptualize four elements of power that are more universal than merely local. Well, like we were just doing, everybody needs to breathe. I think that's a fun place to start. What else is a universal frame of reference? We all need water. We all need water to grow. Yeah. Okay. You know, we start there. Start with the basics. But I like it. And again, not easy. Difficult. Not easy. But important. Say very important. And empowering. Very empowering when you start to build some momentum in doing some of this stuff. Hey, this is great. And we are on a roll. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Good end of the year vibes to you all. Into the new one. What an exciting time to be alive. Woo, it's getting crazy. I hope you're all able to find some happy times, some good vibes, and more power to you. Thanks for hanging.